Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. It is daylight saving times. I don't know if it's it's over, right? Like, is it start or is it over? I'm not exactly sure what it is. But uh, we got the crew back together. What uh, do you guys? I, it, I feel like this happens all the time because there was a flurry of tweets and it was trending on Sunday about daylight savings. Like, there is a movement to get it where the clocks just stay one time all year round. No, which I would I would firmly back that movement. Why? I this is like yes, okay. I know losing an hour sucks, but you are like straight <laughs> struggling right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the struggle is definitely real. But like that time where you gain an or no wait, did we lose an hour? Yeah, we, we lost, lost an hour. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready. So it's <laughs> worth it to gain it. the hour. Like no, I'm just saying when we have a longer hour, like in the day, yeah, it, when it gets later. No, wait, but it happens naturally. It happens naturally. Like with the sun, it, it actually ends up. It's kind all going to even out. out. It's all going to even yeah. out. I say leave it. Like, what was the impetus? Like, who? Why did we ever go to for, daylight savings? It was Dude. for farmers. It was for farmers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There and was, a, and it's not that oh old that it was around. <laughs> we should probably. There probably is a pod, a podcast specifically devoted to daylight savings time. I clearly so maybe need to if, listen to it. I can't even speak. Danny, yeah. d- daylight savings. Take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving it all day long. (laughs) Leaving it all day long. All right, that's our guy Debo. Hannah Ostopchuk, you heard her as well. But we got a big show to get to. Tiger is back, baby. It's official. The Browns were actually like the movie draft day. They were making moves, uh, a flurry of moves last week that we actually haven't got to talk about. Uh, But that wasn't the biggest news of the day. Of course, it was March Madness. The brackets are set. They had the selection Sunday was yesterday. We are going to do a off the bench bracket. Is that correct, Debo? We're going to have a bracket. Yes. All right. Details there to come. We, that means De- we have to decide on on stuff. Yeah, we have to pick the bracket. Like you <laughs> I have don't to break them down. Everything's going to happen. Wait, do you not know what a bracket is, Hannah? No, I'm just saying. Like, are we collectively all going to share a bracket, or are we competing against? No, each other? no, no. We're definitely competing yes. against each other, all which right, is I'm a gonna, lot of pressure on Raja. Danny, have your girls bring some brackets in. I'm going to have the boys fill out a couple. Oh, for sure. My, I think my, my, I've had my youngest daughter do it the last couple years, and I think she's beaten me every year. Yeah, and she's like, you know, she just looks at the mascots and the colors, and that's it. But. I it's mean, it's tactic. it's kind of that's how hard it is. I mean, they have a billion dollar bracket challenge with Warren Buffett for a billion dollars. If anybody gets it perfect, that will never happen. Like it's the best marketing gimmick ever that he did that. Um, so what was your when you saw the 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 selection announced and, you know, of all the bubble teams or one seeds? Did you have any kind of thing that jumped out to you, Raja? Uh, not really. I mean, watching the ACC tournament. um, Virginia is real. I didn't. I didn't know. We had spoken about them on the pod a few few episodes ago, and um, I, I didn't. I didn't trust that offense, but they looked real. I still think they can be kind of taken apart if you catch a hot team. But the defense is stout, and they're better offensively than they've been in the past. They're very very efficient offensively. They got people who really fit uh, what, what Coach Bennett's trying to do there. So so they're for real. Um, I would have liked to see Notre Dame get in. Yeah, they were missing Bonzi Colson for a lot of the. Second half of the season, I thought they were the type of team that probably, you know, their body of work 
because they were missing him, might not have deserved it, but they would be as dangerous as anybody if put in as a, as a high seed or a low seed, what have you, you know, if they were like a 14, a 13, something like that. So that kind of, uh, that one missed the mark for me. But other than that, I didn't really have any beef. Obviously the ACC um, and SEC teams, you know, getting nine and eight respectively, uh, those are some powerful conferences. So it'll really just be interesting to see because although um, some of these brackets are tough, right? Like they, like Kansas, Duke, Michigan State, and Auburn in the Midwest, you know, Virginia, Cincy, Tennessee, and Arizona is another top four. These they're pretty loaded. That it speaks to the parity that we've kind of been talking about across the landscape of college basketball all season. You know what I thought, and that this is probably like the cynical part of me. When I saw the teams that found out they got in and they're going nuts and they're oh, like, like there with their in their in their facility and they're celebrating, I was thinking these teams are going to lose like in the first two rounds. Syracuse like, is going to lose. Do they realize that? They're like Syracuse's hype video was so embarrassing to watch because <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I rep them all day. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, Oh guys, like you're so bad. Like don't, don't jump the gun. Like <laughs> right, you're right. not going to, you're not going to make it far if they did. But then me. I was trying to remind myself because I saw Bobby Hurley when he was, he was at Arizona state when they found out and they were the first ones to found out because it was alphabetical when they found out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually had like a team party at his house. And he went and jumped in his pool. I thought that was pretty good. And then the whole team like jumped in the pool and they had this big pool party. But again, I'm like, you guys were awful the last half. Like they finished down well, the stretch. They were horrendous. They were a top five team in the country at one point. You know, yeah, that, they had number one votes at one point. That t- I think it, it's you know it's, it it is kind of insightful though. It gives a little insight into like yeah, the mentality it, of a program because you wouldn't have seen a Duke like if Duke was top five in the country and they barely squeaked in, having lost down the stretch. Like Shashevsky's not going to jump in a pool. You know what I mean? Like right, those right. guys are business as usual. So I think it, you know, it's an interesting little glimpse into programs. Like those those programs are trying to be built. They're they're still on the ground floor trying to get, you know, they're trying to make that ascension into into college basketball, like perennial tournament teams. All right, let's get to uh, another segment that we're starting off with our new audio that we have. Let's get to a March Madness version of. What we learned. What we Solid. Learned. Good timing, Debo, <laughs> on that hit. All right. We learned that the new quadrant system definitely makes it harder for mid-majors to make the big dance. I think there's no doubt about this. When you saw – you mentioned the ACC and SEC teams both getting in, uh, you know, nine for the ACC. The SEC for the first time gets in eight, a record for them, that you saw a lot of teams snubbed. Middle Tennessee – uh, St. Mary's were some of those teams that uh, mentioned. Minnesota, Middle Tennessee coach Kermit Davis said, quote, the committee sent a message to me that it's going to get tougher for everybody at our level to get an at, uh, at large, to get an at large with this new system. You've got to be perfect. We only have a few chances and they're usually either on the road or on a neutral court where the power five schools have six or eight opportunities at home in front of their crowd. I couldn't agree with him more. And I think it sucks because it's the same and it's happening in football as well. If you're a power five team, you just get more um, forgiveness. Like they don't care about your losses as much. And I get you're playing against some some good, better competition and a, a and a bigger body of work. But when you're Oklahoma and you lose as many games down the stretch, they finished uh, two and eight to finish the season. I don't care if you're playing against better competition. You are not a good basketball team. And some of these teams just they, there's such a slim margin of error. It really does. It reminds me of UCF running the table and getting left out of the of an eighteen playoff. It's just I don't like the way that the system works. Uh, 
I could see where, where people wouldn't really love that. And being a small school guy, like I, I usually take that stance, like more small schools, like give us an opportunity to get out there on the field with the big guys and show them, show them what we could do. I'm not, I'm not going to do it in this case. Although the quadrant system is really confusing. And if they don't tell you how they weight the different quadrants, I mean, it, it is almost impossible to understand why you've been left out or why you made it based on the quadrant system. But if I'm going to nitpick and at the end of it, when you're picking this many teams and you get down to, you know, Middle Tennessee at, at said record and Oklahoma playing in a power conference at this record and they're not playing great. I mean, you're nitpicking. You're, you're, it, it's really tough. I'm going with the team that's played in the bigger conference that has the bigger stars, that has the bigger, more oh, athletic players. Get out. So I you're just calling it like a TV exec because you want ratings, you want familiarity. And I get it. I, if I was sitting down to watch a game, I probably would rather uh, I would rather watch Syracuse than Middle Tennessee. Yeah, but that's not like that's not fair to those kids. And I always try to think of it from the players' angle. Like, how messed up is that that we're going to get the Syracuse in because they're a bigger brand? Well, like that, and that's what they're getting, in my opinion. Yeah, not, I think they do get that status. I'm not looking at it from a TV exec. I'm looking at it from a talent perspective. There's a reason why all of these kids wind up at Oklahoma and the other ones wind up at St. Mary's. It's because they're better basketball players. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're faster. And in football, like we, you know, we talked about it. I had you and, and Brady on it. Well, it might not have been Brady, but we were arguing over like blue blood programs versus some of the smaller schools. And, and there's a, look, there's a reason that when I came out of school, I didn't get to go to a top 25 school. It was because I was not good enough. Now, so there are exceptions to the rule. There are guys that slipped through the cracks. Like you can make the argument that I did, but over, overall, um, you know, our, our starting lineup went six, seven, six, 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 five. We're not going to walk in to a Clemson team that struggled in ACC at 6-11, and 6-8 and really be able to play with them and put up, and put up that much of a, of a fight throughout a tournament. And so I would err, I'm just like personally, on the bigger, stronger, faster um, team. But I would rather have a team that's not as talented, that has overachieved and like performed better and come together and had a great season as opposed to a team that's super stacked that's underachieved for whatever reason like maybe they were lazy maybe they didn't play just because together just because know? it's a good story or they deserve it because they just des- they played better or are you looking for a team I, I that has feel that- like they deserved it because their record is better i'm looking you know, for the team can- i'm looking for the team that it has the opportunity to make the most noise like if i if yeah. i'm if i'm putting a tournament together the stories are great and i agree with you dude like and i don't i don't want to flip my complete script and be a complete hypocrite because I do think that those stories and kids deserve it. Like I would have liked to have played in the tournament. Um, we had some great teams. We lost in the conference championship and didn't get in. But at the end of the day, if I'm selecting, and that's just you know, this will always be a debate. I'm selecting the team that has the best chance to advance in the tournament, not the one that I know is a great story and is going to get their butts kicked in the first round. As I've been watching everybody talk about quadrant wins, quadrant one, two, three, or four, I was trying to figure out what was a worse like analysis because in college football you have the FPI, the football power index, which is what I hate that. I mean, it's like impossible to figure out the quadrant one, the quadrant wins I think are a little bit easier to figure out, but they're still, they're just, it's, it's confusing. And when you bring in analytics to the conversation, it just makes it convoluted and it makes it more challenging. I, I think I still hate the FPI more, but the quadrant win discussion is becoming just as quick. It's coming just as annoying, just as fast. All right, let's move to our next, what we learned. All right. We learned that Kansas has the hardest road of any number one seed to reach the final four. Uh, that is because they're in the Midwest. They have Kansas. They have themselves. Duke, Michigan State, and Auburn. That region is stacked for sure. But I'll say this. like, 
Kansas, I think it's more not it's it's going to be tougher for them, not because of the strength of the actual bracket, but because they are not as strong as they've been in years past. Like they won the Big 12 again, squeaked it out, but it was much uh, tight, more tightly contested than it's ever been. But out of this bracket, this is probably the one that will have the most people pick a team that's not a number one seed agreed um they're stacked you're talking about blue three blue blood programs and i don't know when we did this but but those were three teams that all were in 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 the same breath for me as opportunity like to win the ncaa tournament and auburn is really good like um you know sneaky really good in the sec i watched them a little bit this weekend too Michigan State, I mean, you know Duke, you know Kansas. Now, Kansas will get back as a bookie. He was missing for the whole Big 12 tournament. I think that's a big addition to them going in. You know, that's their rim protection, their anchor. Um, I thought it was pretty amazing that they won the Big 12 without him. I didn't I didn't have them doing that. So that will help. Uh, but Michigan State is is really sneaky with the type of length they have. Um, I think, what's the kid's name? Is it, It's Jaron Jackson's son. So is it Jalen Jackson or is it Jaron Jackson no, Jr.? Jaren. Right. Um uh, Miles Bridges, they've, they've got some length, uh, not a ton of experience, but they could be they could be an interesting squad. I, I would make the argument um, that the South is a really tough bracket, too. Now, they won't have as much potential to win it with Virginia, Cincy, Tennessee, and Arizona. But Virginia, like although I said they were for real like 15 minutes ago or five minutes ago, they um, they don't seem to be – they don't seem to be the type of program where you would look and pencil them in into the finals, right? No matter what, you'd probably find an upset along the way. It's just that type of team. When you see them in your bracket, you know, every time you pair them up against somebody, you're like, hmm. And Cincy, Tennessee, and Arizona are really good teams. So it might speak to the parity, not the overall strength of, of said um, of said uh, side of the bracket, but that South is, is not going to be a joke. It's going to be some real competition to come out of there, too. I think there'll be more people. People already like to look for the upsets, but I think you'll have the least amount of number one seeds advance to the final four than any. Like if you did a a study of all the brackets that'll be submitted, they'll more people will pick upsets than ever because of the way the seasons unfold. And it might unfold like that in the tournament. Yeah. All right, Debo, I got I got a bonus of what we learned. Give me the give me the sound. What we learned. We learned that Grayson Allen is still a punk and a dirty player. Did you see what he did in North Carolina? Like that was so messy. What did he got called for a flagrant? Now that seemed like it might have come out of the Rajah Bell playbook. The bro, oh, bro, bro. That's fired. Um, I'm gonna let Hannah. I'm gonna let Hannah take that. Go ahead, Hannah. So I was in like a, a group text this weekend, and one of my friends just starts going off about Grayson Allen. She's like, "I freaking hate this guy," and I started defending him. I was a little bit surprised by myself, but like I was dying to hear. Like as I was in this group text, I was like, "Gosh, I really need to ask Rajah about this because I'm so curious your opinion." I'm all for him. I think he's great. I don't. I just think that stuff doesn't matter. Look, is that, that bad? Um, no, no. I mean, some of it does. Some of it doesn't. The one that happened the other day does not doesn't matter. matter, right? Okay. It was so insignificant. It was so soft, like a flagrant for a for a little bit of a, a like a hip check. That's absurd. That and was it's a ridiculous just call. It's Grayson Allen, which is why I'm so annoyed by it. Like I, nobody can doesn't just let him play. matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter. I love it. I don't know if it was Dan Doherty. Somebody was on the broadcast saying that. The refs don't take into consideration that this is Grayson Allen. There's no oh, prior history. Totally Get do. the hell out of here. That was That is a play that happens all the time in basketball. It yeah. might not happen in the wide open, open court like that. But if you ever watch a basketball game and two guys are under the bucket and the ball's advanced in front of them and they're they're wrestling to see who can get out 
on the break quickest, whether it's going to be the offense to gain the advantage or the defense to gain the advantage. They are like jockeying for that little advantage as, as the ball's going up the court. People are holding, grabbing, pushing, anything you can get, um, any little advantage you can get to be the first one out on the break. And so I didn't say is it a big deal. I thought it was a big deal for Grayson's like stock, though, unfortunately. Like, you know, it's one of those things where a GM would just be like, Jesus, man, he just can't keep his nose clean. And I don't think it's fair because – it wasn't that egregious of a of a foul. It's just unfortunate right. that it happened to the kid, and it's just one more thing that they can look at when it's time to you know break him down in terms of draftability and so on and so forth. But I didn't really mind. I didn't think it was dirty like that. He hasn't tripped anyone this year, right? I, no. So I they replayed somehow you, kept his feet to himself. You know what's interesting? They replayed like all of his trips, like on 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 you know different yeah. so media outlets, and some of them aren't that bad. They're not. Now, some of them are horrific. <laughs> they really are. But some of them would be plays that I would make the argument like, dude, what, what did you want him to do in that right. in that situation? But it just speaks to like once you get that reputation, like once I had that reputation, there was nothing I could do. I could argue till I was blue in the face and people were like, yeah, bro, sorry. You, yeah. So does it really hurt your your reputation like in the league? Like does it re- like does it – I guess I'm answering my own question because clearly it does. Well, I didn't I give a shit about this conversation. Like I didn't care about my reputation in the league. My, I didn't, but my job at that point was to, was to get you rattled as much as I could. But right. for a kid like him coming out, um, not being in the league already, like it, it – it could be a red flag. Like, and then he had the breakdown, you know, the breakdown was the thing that, that bothered me. Yeah, that was the, all of it. When he cried like a, you know, a teenager, like a little, uh, it was awful. But that right. was a long, that was a while ago. I'll give him that. It was this season. He's been really good. This was like the first thing that we saw from him and everybody was quick to be like, Oh, Grayson Owens back. And that's why I was him. so mad. Yeah. I was like, he's fine. He's such a good player. Give him some credit for like, for being great. Where are you at on that, Danny? What'd you, what, what, like, where, where, I, again, I think we learned that he's still a punk. Like, <laughs> like, he's, like he's a he is a punk, and he also has like he just looks like your typical Duke punk, like punky player, like got a entitled brat. Yes, he, but, this is anti Duke. Here's the thing that I actually that I would love about him if he like he's a, he's the ultimate guy that you love him if he's on your team and you hate him if he's not. Right? Because I think right, if I was on his true. team, I would love the passion that he plays with and that he'll do anything even if it's bending you know or walking towing that line where you might cross it sometimes if you do trip somebody sometimes you get away with it sometimes you don't but in today's like you know camera angles everywhere and especially if you play at duke you're gonna get you know it's it's just you're gonna get did you think that foul did you think the hip check was that bad of a play like did you think it was just an obnoxious i'm okay with him getting a flagrant because He's he's kind of made his bed. Now he has to sleep in it. Like if you toe that line all the time, which I feel like he consistently does, he's not going to get the benefit guess, of the why, foul. Why can't that just be a foul? Like it, what you know what I mean? Like a fla- flagrant by its very nature and definition should be something flagrant. It doesn't jump off the page as being flagrant. That was my beef with it. Like sure, give him a foul. Like you know if there, but he didn't. You know what was flagrant? Huh. Did you see the high school video going around of the kid no. that shoved the guy on the breakaway dunk? That was yeah, he should that's be put crazy. in prison. They're not brawl. That's yeah, that that's was nuts. Attempted murder. Like yeah, you can't. That was, that yeah. was brutal. If you haven't seen it, we'll have Devo put that up on our uh, 
on our at Twitter, uh, on our at, at Canelo Twitter, Bell Twitter <laughs> account uh, for that one. But I, I was shocked that the team didn't brawl. His own. How about the guy's team that got shoved? They just sat there and looked on. I was like, why aren't they going out and defending their boy? Right. I don't know what happened on that one. Uh, I'm still curious about who's on that text chain with Hannah and how often like these texts. <laughs> I would love to see that because I'm imagining. Uh, is this like all your girls? Is it a mix it's, of guys and girls? No, no. It's two of my best girlfriends, and we we all live like super far away from each other. So. It's a. I can only imagine like it's Bachelor, Bachelorette, and then it's there's so Grace much gossip. It's Grace so much Allen, like Tom Brady hate. Like I can only imagine the topic. <laughs> no, like, I don't talk about Tom Brady in my text messages. Like I don't even have time. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the uh, the other hot topic from yesterday. Was Tiger Woods? My man, Tiger Woods is back for sure. I don't care what anybody says. The putter went a little bit cold. Although he did tease everybody with the putt that he made on 17. It was a 40-foot putt to get him within one shot and then came up short on 18 to force a playoff uh, where Paul Casey, who actually was one of the guys who went out early and had to wait around to see if he won, he shot at six under. But I thought Tiger looked outstanding all weekend long, and I am on record. Raja, he's going to win the Masters. Oh, we! I like that. Um, I actually like that he didn't get over the hump this weekend. I kind of... I, too. Yeah, I like the hungry kind of trending tiger. I think he's, you know, obviously by by the places that he's finished, he's trending. Um, but I too saw his game trending, and like the putter, the putter did go a little cold. He had ample opportunity to win the tournament. I thought he even said it, like in the post tournament press conference, he got a little timid with the irons. Like I thought some of his approaches late, um, although they were in really safe spots. Like those are spots you play to when you're when you're leading the tournament and you just need to two putt par and get out of there. Like when you're hunting, um, I think you got to take a couple chances at some of those flags. Cause some of them were gettable, but I think he's in a really good place. The question for me, and I know you probably feel the same way is, uh, you know, at Augusta, when you got to bring that big stick out a little bit more, cause he was able to, he was able to iron off of a few of those boxes, three wood mm-hmm. and what's going to happen when the big sticks got to come out. And that's, you know, the putter, I don't worry about. He's had some rounds, some competition, some under fire, preparation that's going to be fine that'll come back but what's the big stick going to do in the heat of the moment so here's the thing that i don't think a lot of people know and and i'm not speaking this because i've played there but i have i've been to augusta and just you didn't just read articles about augusta you can spray it like it's not that hard um if you get into a little bit of trouble because it's not like as penalizing if you're if you if you bomb it, you're good. Right. Like you can bomb it past a lot of trouble, and that's the thing. Tiger's length is back, and that's why he's always played well at Augusta because he's going to crush the par fives. And if he hits it in the pine needles, like you know, he can still get to the you know get to the green in two, or you know, he can still you can bomb it past a lot of trouble. And it's always been around the greens is what have killed guys. But that's what that's what impressed me the most is Tiger scrambling. Like he's been getting up and down from all over where I think he's going to have a lot more birdie putts uh, when he gets to Augusta. So the only thing that I do, and this has kind of been my takeaway since he's been in the tank, is I thought always, I thought no matter how bad it got, I thought he would win another PGA Tour event. But I do feel like he puts, he wants the 18, like he wants to catch Jack. And I do wonder if the mental aspect of it, and it's crazy to think that Tiger Woods would prove human, but as he has the past five years, he is human. I wonder if he pushes or he feels like the stress of yeah, that, and that he affects his game. Presses. But he looks he looks confident, though. 
He does. He looks relaxed, which is really cool to see too, right? But, but it's the Valspar. Like that's my point. Like, and not, no offense to the Valspar, but it's not a major. No, and that's where I can't wait to see. For sure, for sure. But I, I so I watch him like I, when I'm watching sports, not just golf. Like I'm watching like people and and you know facial expressions and and how they're mm-hmm. carrying their stress and and you know his interaction with like his fellow competitors. I've said this for a long time now. Like when he first started like being friendly with everybody, I thought it was him showing his vulnerability. Like. All right, now these guys are on my level. I got to start being friends because at first, like he wouldn't speak to anybody on the course with the old right. tiger, right? And then you could see him. Like I was like, man, this guy's kind of vulnerable. Like he's looking for friends. He's out there like talking to a bunch of guys. But now you've seen it for so long, and I think these guys have gotten to know him um, in a way where he's actually enjoying being out there. And I hope that to to your point, like he could very easily start pressing and get a little nervous. But I hope that that camaraderie that he's built with all these different competitors it doesn't isolate him. Um, in that scenario, right? Like he's got people that he can kind of, you know, lean on just a little bit, even though they're not doing it on purpose, just that ability to have a giggle with somebody walking up the fairway or, or, you know, share a pleasantry will help you out in that situation, make you feel human a little bit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if you missed any of his shots, you know where you can find them. You can find them right here at CBS Sports HQ because it is the Brand new way to get all your latest scores, news, and highlights from March Madness, Tiger, anything sports-related. It's 24-7. It's streaming all the time. It's a sports information channel that's always on. It's completely free. You can stream it anytime on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, your phone, and other connected devices. Or, as always, just flip on your computer. You can watch online at CBSSportsHQ.com. Here's what's happening with Hannah. Smooth transition I know, there. So smooth. Notice how quiet I was in that last segment, guys. Anyways, all right. Former Cy Young Award winner Jake Arrieta and the Phillies have agreed to a three-year, seventy-five million dollar deal, which could actually turn into a two or a five-year contract. Arrieta hasn't quite been the same since his brilliant 2015, but he did post a 2.28 ERA post All-Star break last season. He immediately becomes the Phillies' ace, who haven't made the playoffs since 2012. These baseball players, the market's drying up this year more so than ever. Remember we discussed it uh, on the pod a a couple months ago when Mm -hmm. um, the Cubs actually offered him, I think it was 150-ish, and that was for a longer deal. But he definitely looks like he took a little pay cut. I'm wondering if the baseball market uh, is drying up. Maybe they've reached a little bubble of sorts on some of these huge $200 million contracts. Williams versus Williams, part 29. Serena and Venus are set to meet again, this time in the third round of the Paribas Open at Indian Wells. Venus, eighth in the world. Serena unranked after a 14th-month hiatus. But the younger Williams leads the head-to-head series 17-11. to I'm telling you, she's not winning another major. That's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a hater. I'm just being a realist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anthony Davis returned from a one-game absence and recorded the first triple-double of his six-year career. A solid 25th birthday, except for the part where the Pelicans lost by 17 to the Jazz. Davis finished with 25 points, 11 rebounds, and a career-high 10 blocks. New Orleans now in a three-way tie for the fourth seed in the West. I just can't believe that that's Anthony Davis' first triple-double in his career. I agree. Yeah, it sounds like a weird stat, but um, you'll just see everybody right now trying to get healthy. That's what this is all about, going down the stretch, getting into the playoffs, playing, um, having all your guys at at optimum level and, and optimum level of health. 
Well, unfortunately, more injury-related NBA news. James Harden sat out the Rockets' Sunday victory over the Mavericks due to left knee soreness, but is expected to play Monday against the Spurs. San Antonio still without star Kawhi Leonard, but reports indicate that Kawhi could be back as early as Thursday. Yeah, that's going to be great for San Antonio. I wouldn't really read a whole lot into the Harden situation. Again, these are guys just trying to play for the... They're trying to position themselves for the playoffs, make sure everybody's good. I think it's what you see going on with Steph Curry right now. Kawhi could be a huge addition for the Spurs. It just may be too late. Last but not least, Kevin Ollie out at UConn for what the school is calling, quote, just cause. Ollie led the Huskies to a 2014 national championship, but has made just one tournament since while compiling losing records the past two years. Ollie plans to contest UConn's decision and fight for his job back. Oh, KO, big time. He was one of my vets. We were together in Philly. Great dude. Um, unfortunately, you know, after he started losing, um, after he started losing Calhoun's kids and it became his show there, it hasn't been the same. And I can't speak to the stuff that's happening with the NCAA and the FBI, but that's ugly. I, co- I hope KO comes out of it uh, clean. I mean, he's not going to have a job, but I hope he comes out of it clean <laughs> so he can try to get a job somewhere else and, 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 and go back to work. Yeah, it's ugly. I felt I feel off for him too. You know, I've met him a couple of times when I was living up in uh, Connecticut. He he just seems like a great dude. He is, but it's a production thing, and UConn has just really fallen off the map as far as perception of that program. Whether it's the conference that they play in now and the American, they're just they're not getting the recruits. And I'll say this: I don't know how you recruit recruit to stores anyway. Like right. You have to have well, you used to be able to sell the garden and, and exactly. Georgetown and, and, and Villanova. And, right. Now you're, yeah. what are you selling? You're selling, uh, going to Wichita state and that, that's tough. Yeah, exactly. All right. There was some big news on Friday. I almost felt like we should have had an emergency podcast Saturday morning because of what the Cleveland Browns were doing. Like it was awesome. And I found myself more, I don't know if it's just because I'm not, like as a player, I don't think you pay attention to moves. You obviously don't get as fired up. And if it's not your team or if it's not one of your buddies, you're like, who cares? But I was actually fired up for what the Browns did. So they went nuts. So I'm going to give you a rundown of what they did, okay? So they acquired Jarvis Jarvis Landry, wide receiver for the Dolphins. They got him for a fourth rounder and a 2019 seventh rounder. They got Tyrod Taylor, quarterback from the Bills. Sorry, Hannah. For a 2018 third rounder, they traded, they got rid of Deshaun Kaiser for uh, defensive back to Marius Randall, and they also traded away Danny Shelton for a third round pick in 2019. So now they have a legit quarterback. They got Taylor. They have Duke Johnson, former Miami Hurricane. They got Corey Coleman, who's a speed demon on the outside. Josh Gordon, who, if he can stay clean, is a beast. And David Joku um, as well. They're, I think. So here's the thing. I wanted to tweet out they're going to win their division because every single year you hear teams that go worst to first in the NFL. But when I looked up their division, I'm like, ew, that's a pretty tough task. Considering <laughs> right. they play against the Ravens, Steelers, like the Steelers, I still feel like they're going to be the favorite to win that division. But I do feel they're going to be a turnaround squad this year. Most improved like, squad in the NFL? Yeah, specific. I mean, because it's it's almost like all they need is four wins and they're going to, like, they don't need to do that much. But. I feel like they're going to get to the playoffs. I think they could be an eight or nine win team, and I think that'll get them into the playoffs with that. And they haven't even got to the draft. Like they, they still have their first mm-hmm. and fourth overall picks, which to me, and I think it, it does make the difference as the quarterback. And I think Tyrod Taylor is the perfect bridge quarterback. Like he's the guy, they get him at a reasonable rate. I think it's $16 million a year. He comes in, he provides some stability, some leadership. He's won before. Um, and the team will look at him differently, but like he's not going to screw it up. Like you know that he's not going to go out there and throw a lot of interceptions. 
And if you put talent around him, I think he can make some plays. Yeah, I do too. I thought it was awesome. I think it's great for the fans in Cleveland have it spent that year there. I know how much football means to them. Like the Cavs, we were the hottest thing on the on the planet then, and it was still a Browns town. Everything you heard on on Sports Talk Radio was Browns, Browns, Browns. So, um, I think they deserve it. I love too that they were able to protect their two picks because you still go out and get your quarterback. Um, you have Tyrod Taylor in place who can do it now. You can groom a guy. Um, and then you can go out and get whatever else you think fits your fits your needs. Uh, Jarvis Landry, at, I, I think that the type of guy he is, the competitor that he is. Um, now I know he wanted his money, but at the end of the day, like he's a fiery, competitive dude. Like guys like that, you need in your in your locker room when you're a team like Cleveland. You need as many guys that are down for the scrap that aren't taking any you know BS from anybody that really just want to compete. That you want that to be your culture. So trying to find guys that fit that mold, not just the production, like all pro type of, uh, you know, catch numbers and yards and all of that. But I mean, like people that want to be there to compete every day, the more of those that you put in that locker room, the easier it becomes for you to come up out of that hole. And I agree. They're really talented. Offensively, they are really, really talented. And you don't have the top end quarterback, but you have a serviceable one. Um, and guys like Njoku, uh, Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, I mean, he's still a wild card. Uh, but you have two picks, so now you can go out and it kind of you you can be really you don't have to go like best available if you didn't necessarily want to. Like you could fit a need now. You could go out and address what you need with a little bit more uh, with a little bit more leeway. I I think it's gonna and uh, here's what I hope they do because I don't know what the, obviously we don't know what they're gonna do. John Snyder is gonna do with the number one overall pick, but if they add Saquon Barkley to this mix and then get their quarterback, and I still think it should be Baker Mayfield. And here's a reason I think it could be Baker Mayfield. Maybe they, maybe they take Baker at one and they say, all right, quarterback's the most important position. I hope they don't do that because Saquon Barkley really would be the difference maker for this offense. But if you have Tyrod Taylor and you have Baker Mayfield, I think you've got a seamless transition from your starter to your backup where you can start implementing plays and calling plays because they have similar, uh, similar skill sets where if you drafted – Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, you'd have one set of plays that you could call for Tyrod Taylor and another set of plays you'd have to call for the next quarterback. But I feel like they're going to take Baker now or in maybe even later is Lamar Jackson because you want your quarterbacks kind of to be the same type of mold of quarterback where you can do the same things, where you can use, utilize their athleticism right. uh, more effectively and you don't have to change it. So I, I think that's the direction they're going to go. But it remains to be seen because I, I still think they could get Baker Mayfield at four. But I wonder if they would panic and say, nope, if he's our guy, we want to take him at one. But it's going to it's going to make for an interesting draft. Uh, I'm happy that you guys like that wasn't the only news in the NFL, which has been it's time that they're finally I think it's good. I think the NBA has been a good influence on the NFL because of all the trade, the movement guys, you know, going to big cities. So Richard Sherman was released. There was a lot of speculation of where he would end up. I love this move because it's the ultimate heel move, which I think Richard Sherman is the ultimate heel in the NFL. He gets let go from the Seahawks. Where does he go? Meets with one team. Now, he had scheduled meetings with the Raiders and Lions, but he ends up going within the division to the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to play. Now he's going to play his old team twice a year, which he did say. In, I think John Lynch even said we used that uh, as part of the recruiting pitch was, hey, you're going to get to play these guys and, and have your revenge. Uh, Richard Sherman told Peter King at the Monday morning uh, MMQB.com that he was, quote, vengeful in that way, wanted that opportunity. 
Ultimately, does it matter that much? What is it, Debo? Matters a lot, matters a little, doesn't matter. <laughs> matters. <laughs> matters a little. I don't. Matters a little. Yeah. I. First of all, let's like the Achilles. I don't know how effective and explosive you come back. I mean, he got injured in week ten last last year. Like, it's not like that thing has been healed for a year. So. You know, when you're playing a position like corner, when you got it's all about speed and change of direction and flipping hips. Like you have to be, you have to be fluid. And I don't, I just don't know what guys come back from Achilles looking like at that position. I know in the NBA they very rarely come back with the level of explosion that they that they had before the injury. Um, I mean, it'll help the 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 San Francisco secondary if he's healthy for sure. Um, And you know, you talked about it last pod that you thought San Francisco. I think it was last pod. You said San Francisco should be good this year, but. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Um, point being, I think it'll help, but I don't know that that really moves the needle. Like, and I think, you know, Seattle, you know, we talked about them having a fresh start and kind of letting Russell Wilson do his thing and be the face of the franchise and getting him some more weapons. And, you know, Richard Sherman, I can't be mad at him for wanting to play Seattle twice. Like, team lets you go. Like, I wanted to play – when Phoenix traded me, I wanted to play Phoenix every game of the season. That's just who you are as a competitor. I don't have any problem with that. But in the big scheme of things, I don't know that it moves the needle in either way that much. No, I don't think so. I think it is funny that people are already penciling in uh, the 49ers as a playoff contender. They're, they were still a pretty bad team last year. The Jimmy Garoppolo signing, I know he was paid, and the, uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have a ton of faith in him by giving him that huge contract. But I still feel I want to see this team actually go out and do it on the field. I thought it was interesting because I thought Richard Sherman, the three years, $39 million deal, it is loaded with incentives. He actually represented himself, which I, to- I, I totally appreciate. Like, he did not have an agent, which you do not see that happen a lot. And, again, I, I, if you haven't seen the Peter King article, he really goes in depth on the conversations behind the scenes. And it was pretty cool to hear him and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, like, the, the process of what went down. Like, he was leaving the room to go call the Raiders, and he went and called Matt Patricia from the Detroit Lions and said, hey, what's out there? I don't think this is a great deal financially for Richard Sermon. Um, because I don't know if he does reach those incentives. Uh, so I think he might have gotten worked a little bit from the, you know, the, the management without him having representation. But I do love the fact that he's going there. I'll say this. I think Richard Sherman is a little overrated when you look at his perception. And a lot of it is because he, um, he's created this persona. Like he's done a great job of marketing himself. And getting out there and the perception of him is, hey, he's the maybe the best defensive back in the league where I think he's probably in the fifth, sixth or seventh best range. Um, But I don't I don't think he's a good teammate. And here's why. I think he's way too outspoken in areas that matter, like the political stuff. I don't guys don't care in the NFL if you you know, if you're politically active. Where it bothers me is where he's outspoken against play calling on the offensive side of the ball. There was an incident at practice, and it's been um, – everybody's talked about it, said that it was, it definitely happened, like all sides admitted it. But he was going against Russell Wilson in practice, and like Russell Wilson um, in, had a couple balls go incomplete, and Sherman was like dogging him and saying, you effing suck, and like walked off the field, threw a football at him, and that – you just don't see that happen. There's a lot of trash talk, but to try your franchise quarterback like that, I thought was really messed up. Maybe I'm being sensitive. Yeah, I'm as a, a quarterback, team, but I thought that was right. messed up. No, yeah, you're acting like a real quarterback right now. No, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I agree, but I, I would put some of that. Now, clearly, um, responsibilities on Richard Sherman, but 
I think it speaks to what Seattle and uh, like the the environment that they kind of fostered there, right? And the and the 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 culture of the building. You put that if if you get a Richard Sherman in your building, like, and we had it with J.R. Smith when he came to Cleveland. It was like, look, dude, you get one chance. You you f this up and you're gone. Like it's not. No one's putting up with what's happened in the past there. So that's the message that's got to be, you know, that's got to be told to Richard Sherman. Like, bro, you're you're coming here. Yeah, we want you to play. We want you to be yourself on the field. But in terms of all of the stuff off the field and you criticizing and, you know, attacking other players and stuff like that, we've got no room for that. And if it happens, we'll keep you moving. And guys typically, you know, if they're smart enough, and he seems like a pretty intelligent guy, they fall in line because it's their livelihood at stake. I can't wait to see these teams play against each other. Because if you think he talks trash in practice, wait till he tries to get in Russell Wilson's head. The thing is, I think Russell Wilson's going to go after him just as much. Like, I, I, I can't wait to see this unfold. It's going to be great for the NFL. All right, let's move on then to a little NBA discussion. The Warriors lost two in a row without Steph. He's got another injury, which, you know, he's kind of had throughout his career. He tweaked that ankle uh, the fourth different time this season. Do you, th- what do you think, what, Raja, what do you think they should do? Because it's a, it's a, like chronic it almost feels like with Steph Curry that this ankle is something that would concern me if you're the Warriors what do you do with him because they're still trying to vie for that number one seed do you just keep him out for an extended period of time or are you trying to you know get him back to healthy as soon as you can no you're resting him I mean you're get you're trying to get him back as soon as you can but you're you're always erring on the side of caution with that you want to make sure that he's pain-free um that all his strength is there. This isn't a 75% strength and a little bit of pain type of situation this late in the season. You want to make sure he's as close to 100% as you can be. Sometimes injuries like this late, um, you know, provided they're not like catastrophic type of things where a guy's going to come back and he's lost all his rhythm because he's been out for like six to eight weeks. But an injury that costs you a week, week and a half, two weeks late, it could be a blessing in disguise, right? Like you, you, um, you come back, you come back a little fresher, a little more healthy uh, than you normally otherwise would. And so, Warriors, no panic. They don't need the number one seed. It would be great. Houston needs the number one seed. They To beat Golden State, I think they need the number one seed. I don't believe that Golden State needs the number one seed to beat Houston. And so for that reason, chill. Like You want to make sure that, that he has no problems with this injury. I think a couple years ago he had an injury. Um, it was the year they lost to the Cavs. And they brought him back. They said he was healthy, but he really never looked like himself. And I thought it was because he was compensating for that that he might have tweaked something else. And that's the risk that you run with an injury like that. You bring him back, he's sore, his gait is off, he's not running the same, and he tweaks a hip flexor, which then tweaks a lower back. Like, And you wind up with this kinetic chain of injuries that, that lingers all the way through June. And that you can't have that when you're a team looking uh, to win a back-to-back championship. We say it, everybody in the media says it, we've said it on here, that it doesn't matter if the Warriors are the number one seed. Do you think Do you think Steve Kerr thinks it matters? Like, Do you think it matters to them at all? Or do you think they're everybody's on the same page? Like, ah, let's just get to the playoffs. No, I think that given the opportunity to have the number one seed, they would love to have it. But I think they all understand that they don't necessarily need it. But be clear, like if you give a, anybody the choice of playing at home yeah. or playing on the road, like they want that and they'd fight for it if it was close enough. And they still will if they're still within striking distance and he's 100% healthy. But they've been there too many times. I said three times they've been to the finals now in a row. They know that they don't necessarily need it. They want it. They don't need it. All right. Let's uh, let's finish out this Monday episode with some topics. What do you got topics. for us, Evo? All right. Yeah. So the OJ special, the lost confession, 
Did you watch it? It was recorded in 2006. It aired last night. Oh, my God. Does OJ still move the needle for you guys? OJ definitely moves the needle, and the story itself moves the needle for me. But I didn't watch it because I had to go. um, I have a family friend, a high school friend in town. I had to go out uh, to dinner with family. But I'm going to go home and watch it immediately. Was it Was it good? I didn't watch it. I would love to watch that, though. We expect a report on Wednesday's podcast. Oh, we're there. Danny, did you you see it? I did not see it. I saw it trending on Twitter. Are you about that? But going into it, I I wasn't that pumped up about it. Because I was like, oh, it's so old. It's so dated. Is there going to be anything? Like, I... But I'm over context. OJ. Like, I'm over it. Oh, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be over it. <laughs> I don't know of anyone. I don't, not our <laughs> generation of people. You can't it's be true. <laughs> All right. Next topic. Providence coach Ed Cooley, he seems to be kind of a national treasure. The Friars lost the Big East title on Saturday night, but Cooley kind of the star, explaining why he was wearing a Gatorade towel around his waist like a fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. When I sat down, <laughs> I felt the great breeze and the crack. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, my my pants ripped. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I mean, kind of smooth way to cover it up. Yeah, no, hey, you guys, a good head coach, you have to improvise. That's exactly what he did. You just improvise. It was a good game, too. That, that game was down. Yeah. He, he was into it. It was down the stretch. I've, what are you going to do when you're just out there in the middle of your job? I've ripped my pants before. Yeah. Like uh, like out there reporting. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, seriously, I ripped it. I ripped a skirt once. It was it was awful. Yeah. It was you awful. Gatorade I, towel to... No, I had like a I had like a cropped jacket that like barely covered and I just had to like tie it in <laughs> the middle of creative. my hips. It was awful. Yeah. I um when we were in Cleveland a few years ago, I had kind of let my my body. It was the first time I had been in the winter in a long time. I wasn't playing, so I had picked up a little a few pounds. We were in Brooklyn. I was there, general manager wasn't there, so I'm sitting in the stands watching the game. Something happened, so I had to run down to the locker room. As I got up and went to step across the guy that was sitting next to me, whole suit ripped right down my butt. I was like, oh. But it, was, it actually was, it happened, um, and it really, it really woke me up as to like mm-hmm. my health and my eating choices, and so I had to get in shape a little bit, but it was really embarrassing. Yeah. No, it's so embarrassing yeah. when that happens. I like that we all can relate to it, though. Yeah. We're like, good for him. He yeah. kept it going. <laughs> he I, need, I need to see pics of Fat Roger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they exist. Um, this one, not on the rundown, but kind of along the same lines. European soccer star Sergio Ramos <laughs> himself during a game over the weekend. <laughs> Wait, what? I'll let it that, yeah. but yeah, just... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He I'm gonna need to see that. How? He pooped how? himself. Why? Why is a good question. Why so would you? I do was that? going to tweet about this when it happened because I like to troll soccer players anytime I can. Like they get really upset. They're really sensitive. They're not a major sport in America, although they are the world sport, and they will remind you that if you if you troll them at all. This has happened in football too, though. So I, but in football, like, I get it. If you get hit really hard, like sometimes it could happen. Not that it's ever happened to me, but there is video evidence of it happened to other players. Football players don't even like change their pants. They're like, ah, whatever. Um, but what are you talking this about, is people? Vile. What? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen the, there was a Florida Gator player who actually oh, was like all yeah, of over. Of course, it was Florida. Uh, yeah, of course it was. Listen, <laughs> what? Was what hey, real, real talk. Let me just let me hijack this for a second. What's yeah. your take on like peeing yourself in football? Is that okay? Because I had my son had a coach. Two years ago, his name is John Lamonico with the Western Warriors. I want you to hear me right now, John, out, John Lamonico. All right, I don't even know why I'm giving this guy some pub. He told all his little like my son was in a first grade. He needed to go to a potty. He told him to go pee on himself. 
<laughs> told all of them. And so my son told me, I ran on out of the field. I said, listen, bro, under no circumstances will this child be peeing on himself. All of you right now go to the damn bathroom. Like, you're not going to, but what, is that like commonplace on a football field? No, you're supposed to just piss yourself? but it does happen. Like, there are so, and I think it goes when, it goes to players who want you to almost feel like they're crazy and they think they're crazy and it's just nasty and you want to get in there and you don't care what you smell like. It's all like, it's just nasty. I think some players do do that in the NFL, but I'm with you. Like at, at the kids' level, like why is that even necessary? He was about and to see from crazy. A, from a um, just like an ease standpoint, it's not really practical to go because you're you're like padded up, like you got a lot of gear on. Right. I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of it's offensive and defensive linemen. They're too lazy to go back in the locker room. So you're like, ah, go ahead and let it out. <laughs> how, how about the Moises Alou technique? Do you remember that What's one? Your, what is that? He used to urinate on his hands to strengthen them and make his grip yeah, stronger for the baseball bat. Oh. The only time but, but I also, would... You know what else it does? It also helps with calluses <laughs> and blisters. Listen, the only time I would Dr. ever Danny. do this is yep. if... Isn't it when you're stung by... A jellyfish. jellyfish. Yes, a jellyfish. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hannah has That's watched it, every Friends episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. All right, the final topic. Let's settle the beef a little bit. It's not 1983, the Lakers-Sixles rivalry... Uh, over for now, Markel Foltz and Joel B driving around over the weekend, bumping Lonzo Ball's album and praising Lonzo's father. I'm speaking into existence. LeVar told you he was going to go to the freaking Lakers. Number two. You must be a genius, LeVar. Let's go. Album is fire. No. Who's the social media goat right now, JoJo or Juju? Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju's been getting a lot of love. I don't. Is that what the LeBron thing? I still think it's Joel Embiid. Embiid's got the. He's got the crown. Um. Yeah. The Joel Embiid. He. What? What is it about Joel Embiid that people love on? Like, is it just like what is it? I feel like he's like a just a goon. That yeah. is not a correct <laughs> word. To use. No, I feel like he is. He's just like a goon. I he's feel goofy. like he's in high school he's goofy. still. Like I feel like he's grown up. Like yeah. I think it's refreshing. Like it. That's what people love about it. He's just so big. He's such a star, but he's just a goofball. But yeah, and I think he's the most revealing. Goon. Like some guys present <laughs> themselves in a certain way that right. they want to be seen as role models and perfect. And he's like, whatever. I'm going to talk trash. I'm going to be goofy. I'm going to be funny. Like I almost feel like he's a little bit of a younger version of Shaq. Like if Twitter was around yeah. when Shaq was playing and Instagram, I feel Shaq would be the exact same mold. I can see that. I mean, yeah, I can see that. He's bigger than life. He's 7'2". He's a top 10 player in the NBA, mm-hmm. but he's one of the most relatable players in the league. Yeah. So I think that's oh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, awesome. I just, like the goofiness. Top, top six, Danny. Top six. <laughs> <laughs> no, he definitely is. He is. He's not as strong as uh, Debo is on our on our Twitter handle. So, see, see you got to go you. check him out. Are we up to 2,000 yet? Close. We're like 35 away, I expect. Uh, after next, this episode, next show, there's not 2,000. we got 2K. problems. And then once we get to 10,000, then Raja and I are doing our rap battle. Uh. We'll make it happen. All right. Oh, my we'll, God. Uh, I'm going to call We'll it wrap it up day. so everybody can go get their naps in for uh, daylight savings time. Yo, did, did Yo. you see Royce the 5'9 in the, in, the, in the booth with Funk Flex last week? I did not. You didn't see that? You need to go no. check that out. <laughs> check that it. out. Debo, All check right. it out. All right. You're going to have to check it out. All right, that's a wrap for us. Make sure you go subscribe and download iTunes. Check us out. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, at Canel and Bell, or Instagram, uh, at Canel and Bell as well. Hope everyone has a fantastic Monday. Get some rest. Get some sleep. Catch up on your sleep. <laughs>